morning, Dothan First. It's so good to see you this morning. Come on and put your hands together and let's worship God.
up would look, why don't you look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say, now I'm awake. All right, you can be seated. So good to see you this morning. We're glad to have you with us, whether it is your first time or whether you are a regular attender or watching online this morning. We want to say a very sincere welcome. We're glad to worship with you. I can't really think of anything better to do than be together worshiping God, singing His praises, hearing His word. I don't know. Does it get any better than that? Maybe maybe if we had like um, some steak here, you know, next time. Maybe we had like a buffet up front. That plus worship. That would be the best. But we are glad you are here this morning. Uh, we want to give you a few ways to get connected, uh, as we typically have around here. It's the same thing. We got D1 text. If you'll text that keyword to the number 84576, you'll get a list of ways there you can get connected, whether it's signing up for a life group or baptism or a child dedication. That's a good way to do that. The other good way to do that is to look in front of you in the seat back, and there should be a communication card. If you would, fill that out. And then at the end of service today, on your way out on the left, at our guest reception area, if you'll bring that card, we have a free gift that we would like to give you and just get a chance to, to meet with you and chat with you a little bit and tell you how glad we are that you joined with us this morning. So those are the ways to get connected. A few just quick reminders that they, uh, we, I believe we already said it on the intro video today, but July is our ref month of refreshing. So Wednesday night services, we are asking that you take that time to refresh with the Lord, refresh with your family, refresh with your friends, uh, our leaders. We want to give, the, give them that time just to get refilled, and then we're going to come back stronger than ever in August. And that will begin on August what? Anybody remember? The second. Uh, somebody's excited about our night of worship. That's awesome. So mark your calendar for that, August 2nd, Wednesday night. That's going to be a whole family event, a night of worship here in the sanctuary. Going to be a great time. And we do have one more announcement, actually. It's our D1 City Serve. Did I say that right? D1 City Serve Day. There you go. August 12th. That's a Saturday. If you haven't been a part of one of these before, come be a part. I'm telling you. It's easy to hear things on a Sunday morning and then we just go about our week and we forget and do our thing. But I'm telling you, if you put a reminder in your phone, mark it on your calendar, tie a string around your finger, if anybody still does that. I don't even know if anybody ever did that, but if you did, whatever it is to remind you that August 12th, Saturday, come that morning, we'll give you more information as, as we get it together on the times. But what we're gonna do is have projects throughout the city where we'll gather and go and serve different needs and just make our church's presence known, but really to make the hands and feet of Jesus known. And I know that if you've ever been a part of one of these, you know that God gives us amazing opportunities to share the gospel through these events. So go ahead and uh, plan to come to that. D1 City Serve, August 12th. It is offering time. You're supposed to clap when I say that. It's, we get to give. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel better. We get to give. It is an, a blessing and an honor that we get to participate in all the amazing work that God is doing to bring people to know Him and to build disciples throughout this world as we give. And we just want to thank you again for your faithfulness in that. I was thinking this morning about the generosity of God. Isn't it cool that when we begin to walk with Jesus, we get to reflect His qualities and God teaches us his principles, his ways, and we get to reflect those and, and mirror those to the world. 
And one of the best ways we get to do that is by generosity. You know, that's generosity is not something you see in the world. It's not a common trait to humanity. It's rare. But in the church, it should be it should differentiate us. It should set us apart so that people could see and go, wow, there's something different about them. Why are they so generous? Why are they so giving? Giving of their time, giving of their resources. And we can say, well, it's because God gave to us. It's because we're stewards. We don't own it. We have it here. We're stewards to, to use whatever we have to reflect his goodness and to bring him glory. So we have our five ways to give up on the screen today. Uh, we do not pass the plate, but you can choose any one of those ways. And before I pray over this offering today, I would like to invite our elders and prayer partners to the lower level, the back corners, and the upper level on my left, the balcony. Uh, our elders and prayer partners would love an opportunity during the next few songs of worship. If you have a prayer need, they would be honored to get to pray with you about whatever that is. So don't hesitate. Don't feel awkward. Look, as we begin singing these next few songs, just step out from where you are and go. And I promise you, you will be glad that you allowed them the opportunity to pray with you about whatever need you have this morning. And without further ado, would you stand with me and let's pray over our offering today and go back into the to worship. Lord, we thank you so much that this is an act of worship in our giving, Father. God, that you allow us the opportunity to be generous as you are generous. And God, we want to reflect you in every area of our life, Lord. So we pray over every gift that's given today, Lord, that you would use it in a way that honors and glorifies you. God, bless those that we support in missions, Father, that have given their lives, Lord, to go on the field, Father, to go across the globe, Lord, and to spread the good news of Jesus, Lord, and to share your love with those who we will never come in contact with, God, but we get to be a part of it, Father. We just thank you for that this morning. God, we honor you. We love you. We thank you for the opportunity to give, and we just invite you into the rest of this service, Lord. Open our hearts as we worship you to hear your word and to be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, what a powerful name it is. It is the most powerful name. I heard the Holy Spirit speak during worship, and I believe he wants to do some deep work today. I believe before we get into God's word, that there are some of you that came in today with heavy hearts and heavy burdens. And his word says to cast your cares, to cast your anxieties upon him. We're not meant to carry things in this life. Just because you're strong enough to pick it up, it doesn't mean you're strong enough to continue to carry it. So I'm going to ask if that's you in this moment before we pray and go into God's word. If you'll just place your hand on your heart. Maybe it's in your mind if you need to place your, your hands on your head. And we're going to pray a blessing over ourselves today. Holy Spirit, do the work that you need to do in our hearts right now in this moment. We speak Jesus over our hearts. We speak Jesus over our souls. We speak Jesus over our minds. Father, your name is the name that is above every name. It is above every uh, suicidal thought. It's above every depression, every anxious idea. Your name is above everything that we struggle with. It's above every sin. It is literally the highest name. And Father, we speak that name over our lives today. We give you praise for it. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this moment. Father, as we leave today, let us leave weightless. Let us leave feeling free. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said real loud, amen. Come on, can you give God some praise one more time in this house? And give it up for this worship team. We got the best worship team in Alabama. I would say in the state, you remain standing for the reading of God's word. How many are ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word? Uh, I hope you're ready. Uh, I, we just came back from a week of camp. It was amazing. We really enjoyed it. Can y'all give it up for these students? They were literally amazing. Uh, it, wa it, was a, it was a tough week, but um, more importantly than any of the games and all that stuff, uh, the altars were special. And I'm so thankful for what the Holy Spirit did in these young people. Uh, there were many tears that were shed, and I believe many words prophesied and spoken into their life. So it was exciting. But uh, today I'm ready for God's word. And I'm reading again out of Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. Uh, we started that last week. And if you didn't get a chance to check it out, I want to encourage you to go on our YouTube channel. Uh, the message was called My I submit to you. Uh, raise your hand if you felt like you struggled with submission all week long. Uh, I'm raising my hand because I did as well. But uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk about not just authority. We're talking about the authority of God's word. And again, it's in Matthew chapter 8. If you do not have a Bible, you can follow along in the version notes. We make those available to you. And we also encourage you to follow us on social media. So Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with, with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, somebody say, Jesus said. Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus said. Jesus. I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. That's a statement of great faith. Verse 9, I know this because I am under, I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. 
Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I haven't seen faith. It's interesting that he said that because he should have heard faith. He said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. One more verse before we pray. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For nothing spoken by God is impossible. For nothing spoken by God is is impossible. For the next few moments, I want to talk from this title, Say the Word. Say the Word. Look at your neighbor. Look at them real good. Before we pray, say, Say the Word. Say, Say the Word. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to trust in, believe in, listen to, obey, and say whatever you say. Help us to remember to say the Word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. Unfortunately, in our culture today, we are in a time where people are confused. They are uncertain. They are questioning. They are rejecting and altering the teachings of God's word. We're in a time where the phrase the Bible says doesn't hold as much weight as it once did. And as a result, people do whatever it is they want to do. Have you seen this? People just running rampant, uh, being led by their emotions, their, their feelings. They, they do whatever it is they want to do because they want to be their own bosses. They want to be their own lords. They want to be their own gods. They do not want to listen to and refuse to listen to God's word. And there is not only a resistance to authority, but there is a rebellion from the authority of God's word. But God in his wisdom and graciousness has chosen a process to communicate to us. This is encouraging to us because he wants to reveal his will to us. And the will of God is revealed in the word of God. So many of you, you want to ask, what is your will for your life? And I would propose a question back to you. If you want to know the will of God for your life, then you need to know the word of God. Many of us are asking that question without studying the thing that's going to give you the information that you need. God's word is permanently available and accessible to all of us. And we want you to be equipped to be able to say to people why you put your faith and confidence in these words. Listen, every week that our pastors come up here, Pastor Mark, Pastor Michelle, myself, Pastor Wayne, and any other pastor that we have to come up here, every single week when we come, it's not our words that carry weight. It's not our words that carry anointing. It's God's word that carries the weight. It's, God word, it's God's word that breaks the yoke of bondage on your life. We need to say the word. It's important. That is why this phrase, say the word, is so important. And I believe it will help us to understand and listen to stop underestimating the authority and effectiveness of God's word. This phrase is the key to why our words need to be in alignment with his. Why? First thing I want you to write down. I said it last week, but you need to write it down. God does what he says, not what we say. That, that should be a good place for you to say amen. God does what he says, not what we say. Because if you were God, we would be in trouble. <laughs> the only time where people need to do what you say is when parents are getting on to their children. But if everybody did what we say, I don't know how much, I don't know how, how long life would exist. God does what he says, not what we say. In fact, I'll prove it. Jeremiah 112. He says, I, God, am actively, that's a, that's a good word, I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Not your word. I am actively, I'm continually watching over my word to bring it to pass. He, everything he says, he is following his word to make sure that it comes to fruition. Let me say it this way. It's not about getting God's word in agreement with ours. It's about getting our words in alignment with his. We need to say what he says. 
We need to realize that people live off the word, capital W, not our cute quotes, not our one-liners that we post on social media, not our interpretations of scripture. The Bible says people do not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to say the word. That's why I want to say what God says. I want to quote what God says. I want to live what God says, not what I say. I want to say the word because I believe it is enough to change lives. I want to say the word because it has the authority and the power to do what God wills it to do. I want to say the word because God does what he says, not what I say. Isaiah 55, 11, the word that I speak, it will not fail to do what I plan for. It It will do everything I send it to send it to do do everything. His word had authority since the beginning. And unfortunately, since the beginning, his word has been under attack. I said it had authority since the beginning. The moment God said, let there be light, it had authority because when God speaks, it becomes law. So when he said, let there be light, light had no choice. But since the beginning, it's been under attack. In Genesis, God gives dominion and authority to Adam and Eve through his word. You should go back and read it. Genesis 1:28. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I say this to our students often. When he said, be fruitful and multiply, he wasn't saying, go plant trees and do math. That's not what he was saying. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it is an important word. It means to bring it under submission. Have dominion, authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion over the birds in the air. He was saying, even the things that are above you, you have dominion over them. You have authority over them because I'm giving it to you. But shortly after this, Eve misquotes God and Satan uses that to deceive Adam and Eve in trading their forever for some fruit. They gave up forever in eternity in Eden and an eternity in the ultimate presence of God in the manifest presence of God for some fruit. Now, before you throw stones at Adam and Eve, how many how many of us have given up what we need most for what we want now? Gave up the forever for some fruit. This exchange only proves this. Number two, Satan will always test God's truth. He will always test God's truth. You wonder why you go through tests. It's because God may have spoken something over your life, and he is testing the legitimacy of that truth, and if you'll follow it. Satan will always test God's truth. No matter what God says to you, Satan is going to test it. We need to learn to say the word because it is Satan's primary target in spiritual warfare. The attack isn't always against you. The attack is usually against God's word. In the beginning, the enemy doesn't use demonic possession on Adam and Eve. No, he uses a trick. The Bible says he was crafty, that he used a well-crafted sentence, that he, he asked one simple trick question, and he asked this. This was the question, did God really say? Did God really say? And this is not a new trick he still uses uh, sketchy phrases, well, well-worded, ill-intended things. He argues the truth because he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. He doubts truth. All throughout scripture, we see him questioning God's word. And everything God has said since the beginning has been questioned. Unfortunately, we let Satan talk us out of what God has spoken over us. Did God really say See, God, this is the conversation that, this, that Satan had with Eve, that you would be like God. And I guess Eve didn't get the memo that she already was like what God said. Did God really say? 
This was the enemy's original attack, and it's simple. It's not on the screen, but you might want to write it down. The original attack of Satan is to cast doubt on the word of God. See, I believe pastors in years prior, the, the way they used to communicate and preach and teach the Bible is because they were teaching against false prophets. Now pastors today are having to teach in a way because people aren't, it isn't just false prophets, it's biblical illiteracy. We are ministering to a generation of young people whose parents don't know the word. And it's scary. It's, it's, it's an issue because Satan is using everything he can to trick us out of what God said to us. And he causes you to question the credibility of what God tells you. So God gave authority and dominion to Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve handed over that authority, that dominion to Satan when they sinned. And we see this when Jesus is tempted by Satan in Luke chapter 4. Verse five, it says, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority, somebody say all this authority, all this authority, I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered. You'll see it up there given over to me. It was given over to me and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. All this authority. In other words, Satan is saying, I have all this authority. I have all this dominion. Your so-called children gave it to me. And I give this authority that they gave me to whoever I want. And he wanted to give it to Jesus by saying, if you'll just place me above you. If you'll just lift me above you, I will give you this authority. And Jesus doesn't argue with him. Jesus shows us what to do when the enemy tries to talk to us. Verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You know, that's better than a T-shirt. Some of us need to start walking around in life and just not call people Satan, but get behind me, Satan. Then this is the follow up statement for it is written. This is where the weight of the words came in for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Jesus quoted the Bible. Jesus decided to say the word. The devil's attempt to tempt Jesus didn't work. See, Satan's traps don't work when you say the word. See, some of us, you're still fighting Satan, and you know, you got a lot of people, they like to yell, and I bind you, and I loose you in the name of Jesus, you know, and this is like really like, you're just expressive, and you're wondering why you're still facing attacks from Satan, but maybe you're just yelling your words, not God's word. You got to say the word. Come on, somebody say, say the word. And he knows that when, when we do this, we don't have to ignore the devil. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. When Satan talks to you, you don't have to ignore him, but you can tell him what God says. Because we rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. You can talk back to him when he talks to you, but we have to realize that Satan will always test God's truth. He doesn't care if you read the Bible. He cares if you apply it. That's all he cares about. There's nothing more dangerous than a Christian who has applied the scriptures. In fact, I used to say it this way, and I still think it to be true that foolish, uh, foolishness is still, it's still foolishness if you have wisdom and don't apply it. If God shows you something through the word or somebody tells you a story in order to better live your life and you still act in a way that's ignorant, that is foolishness. We must apply the wisdom of God's word. He doesn't care if you read it. He cares if you know it. Because what you hear God say in Genesis chapter 2 is going to be tested in Genesis chapter 3. 
God spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two. They didn't even get real good in the Genesis chapter three. It starts in verse one. And the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals that God has created. What God said in Genesis chapter two will be tested in Genesis chapter three. What God said in Luke chapter three is tested in Luke chapter four. My question is, do you still believe what God said in one chapter when the test is coming in the next? It's important. This is why we need to be careful with our words. Words are powerful because if I were to ever to ask you, when was the first time you felt less than? When was the first time in your life where you felt unworthy or had a negative emotion? Your feelings would probably probably be connected to a memory that involved words. What someone called you or said about you or maybe even what you said about yourself. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Most of our current issues are due to trauma and memories of when someone said something about us that broke our sense of self with the mere power of a well-crafted but ill-intended sentence. And I want us to use our words to make our world better. I want to use my words to speak to not only have a better life, but to speak over you to have a better life. I want to I want what I say to be fruitful, to be life giving, to be faith filled. Proverbs 18, 21 says words can bring death or life. Talk too much and you will eat everything you say. Romans 4, 17, the God who brings the dead to life and whose command brings into being what did not Exist. These two verses not only reveal the importance of our word, our words, they also reveal the authority of God's word. And two things I want to tell you. Number one, we are like God. That's in Genesis 1:26. You there's nothing you can do. You are made in his image and his likeness. But like him, our words have created power. So we are not just like God. Secondly, we should talk like God. What does that mean? Number three, write this down. Words shape worlds. Words shape worlds. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. That from invisible things, visible things might be made. We are like God, therefore we should talk like God. We should say the word. Why? Because my pastor in Mississippi used to say, we frame our world with our words. What does your world look like? How, what creative things are you releasing over your life? And I'm not talking about have the ability to speak worlds into existence, but I'm, say, I'm saying we experience the world we speak. And I'm not talking about name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, because that, that, none of that's biblical. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about sometimes we say things that speak against God's promises for our life. You are the, your words can sometimes be the biggest contradiction to what God is saying. And we, we don't even realize it. I'm talking about you using your mouth to declare the promises in the word of God, because I don't want you to be afraid to say what you're believing for. I don't want you to be afraid to tell God what you're struggling with. I don't want you to be afraid to tell people what God told you. In fact, you should be loud about it. You should be even louder about your faith because the world is loud about its sin. Because the goal of the enemy isn't just to get us to misquote, misunderstand and misrepresent the word. He doesn't just want us not to talk to God. His plan is for us to not talk at all. He wants to silence us. He, he wishes he could silence a group of people. He wishes he could silence a generation. He would love if he could get people to not only speak ill of others, but if we would speak negatively over ourselves, if we would be quiet, listen, and believe other people's words spoken over us, because he knows if he can keep us quiet, we are easily to kill. We're more easily to kill and easy to destroy. 
and you don't even realize it, but not, re- not communicating, not saying the word is hurting your life. That it's easier for him to torment you and keep you bound because he knows if you won't say anything, you will suffer in silence. And then you'll come to church and we'll ask questions like, hey, how are you doing? I'm blessed. God is good. And you say it with your face, but your soul is burdened. Suffering in silence. Somebody say, say the word. And one of the ways that the enemy knows you're serious about your faith is when you talk. That he knows you're serious about your future, you got to talk. That you're serious about your family, you got to talk. You got to speak words of life over your family. That when you're serious about your friends, you got to talk. The way, you, the, the way that your family, your friends, your foes will recognize that you're serious about this thing called faith is not just by what you think, it's also by what you say. You have to say the word. Isn't it interesting that we have seminars, sermons, and commentaries talking about walking by faith but not so many things that talk about talking in faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, but we don't really talk about the importance of speaking faith-filled words. We let the lies and opinions that people speak over us speak louder than the promises of God. We let people talk us out of what God is literally calling you to do. We We will counsel out the things we're believing God for with our own words before we even begin to pray. God God speaks to you in a moment of devotional time. You're reading God's word and uh, he just says, you know what? Hey, I'm going to bless you. And it's just this small, still voice. And you heard it. You know, it was clear. You know, it was God. You've been spending time with him. He says, I'm going to bless you. And then before you even pray, before you even thank him for the word he gave you, you already disqualify and by by saying like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't. And it had nothing to do with what you can do. He said he was going to bless you. And you disqualified it by speaking words that were contrary to his promise. Sometimes the Jesus we quote is inconsistent with the Jesus that is quoted in the Bible. And when we do this, it is unhelpful to unbelievers. For example, we say things like this. We we use the phrase God said at times when God didn't say. In fact, I believe there are times when God is in heaven literally looking down and like, I didn't say that. That's, I didn't say that at all. You, <laughs> you're a liar. Like, he just, <laughs> he just looks. He's like, you're, you're of your father, the devil, the father of lives. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> and we quote him all the time. Let's, let's get even more practical. People will say things like, well, God said we're going to get married. God didn't say that. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying nine times out of ten, he probably didn't. Because if you come up and you say God told you to marry this person and it didn't work out, you can then blame God. God said we were going to get married, Pastor Will, six six months later. I don't know. They were crazy. Well, it must have been the devil that told you y'all were going to get married. God is calling me to another church. Uh Uh-oh. Really? What church? Did he tell you the name of it? They tell you the pastor, well, well, I don't know where yet. I just know he's calling me elsewhere. Listen, I know that one's very touchy. I I get that one. And I'm not saying God can't say that, but a lot of times we use God said to give us unbiblical permission so others won't ask us questions. Because you can't debate God said. If somebody came into my office and said, God told me to go somewhere else, I can't debate that. I'm like, well, if God called you, you know, don't, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord, you know. You know, (laughs) sorry, I'll buy you a cake, a cake I like to eat, and we'll celebrate your exit. May God bless you in your next season. (laughs) But let's just be honest. We use this phrase God said to give us license to do whatever we want. Well, God said it. So what can I say? Lying, saying God co-signed something he never said. We must say the word. 
You know, there was, there was this young man who came, from, came home from school one day and he told his mom, he said, Mom, my stomach hurts. It's, it's bothering me. The mother, knowing her son was a picky eater, says, Baby, that may be because there's nothing in it. You probably need something to eat. So the mom gets something to eat, and after a little while, when the food is digested in the young man, she, she go, he, he goes back to her mom, uh, goes back to his mom, and he says, Mom, you were right. My stomach feels better now. The mom is in the kitchen. She's washing the dishes, cleaning up after the meal, and then the mom's phone rings, and she doesn't hear it because the phone is on the other side of the house. The son hears it, and he proceeds to pick it up, and he says, hello, and the voice on the other side says, hey, buddy, this is Pastor Mark. How you doing? For those of you that don't know, hey, buddy is Pastor Mark's favorite saying, so hey, buddy, how are you doing? And then, the, uh, how are you? And the, the little boy says, I'm fine, Pastor Mark. How are you? He says, I'm doing okay. I, I got a little headache. I, I'll be all right. Is your, mom, is your mom around? I need to talk to her. The young man gets silent for a moment. He says, well... It's probably because there's nothing in it. <laughs> what did this story have to do with anything other than it being funny? I want to propose to you that what the little boy did with the pastor is oftentimes what we do in our own lives. We repeat what we've heard from trusted sources. And some of the things we say, some of the things we repeat, some of the things we heard, some of the things we believe are simply not true. Sometimes we believe in things God did not say. We just heard it said. Things like this. Godliness is next to cleanliness. I, I challenge you after service today, show me that in your Bible because it's not in there. Godliness is next to clean. I think the intention, it's, it, it's a well-meaning intention, but it's not in your word. Some of you are like, oh, it's in there. I remember reading it. It's not in there. I promise you. I, in fact, I remember being young when I first got saved and had an argument with a youth pastor saying that's not in there. She was like, I'm sure it's in there. I was like, well, you shouldn't be pastoring us then. I'm just kidding. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> Here's another one. Come just as you are. It's not those, that phrase is not mentioned in the scripture. Here, here's one. Here's one of our favorites. Spare the rod. That's not what it says. It says, if you spare the rod, you hate your child. If you don't believe me, go back and read it. It's in Proverbs 13, 24. This is, this is another reason I'm trying to help you why you should check your pastors, any of them when they're preaching God's word, because you, you don't know what we may be saying. You just walk out of here. The pastor said, do, do not blame me on something that I might misquote. You go check the word. Proverbs 13, 24, if you don't believe me. Here's another one. Money is the root of, man, y'all been reading the same Bible. <laughs> God didn't say that. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Oh, here's another one. When God closes a door, he opens a window. Oh, come on now. We really like that one. That's not in there. Here's one. He never puts more on you than you can. Oh, man. We've we really been reading the same Bible. That's not in there neither. It actually says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, that we offer a way of escape. For no temptation is overtaking you that he hasn't dealt with. That's what the scriptures say. Here's one. He gives his toughest battles to the strongest. Wow, man. It doesn't say that neither. <laughs> this is what, really what I believe. This is a better thing to say. I believe those with the highest call have the strongest, have the, have, like they have issues in life. They have a harder struggle in life. Those with the greatest call oftentimes go through the strongest, the strongest battles. And the reason I'm saying that is because I believe that the greater the isolation, the greater the anointing. 
Every person that's of significance in the Bible, they had a season of isolation. Moses, David, Jesus, if you think about it, these things that we say, we quote, we quote well-meaning people and God is probably in heaven like I didn't say that. In fact, we probably should have called the message that, that I didn't say that. <laughs> so when you go to work tomorrow and somebody misquotes your God, you'll be like, hey, 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 he didn't, my, my dad didn't say that. <laughs> but here's what I want you to know. Here's my point. There's a difference between revelation and regurgitation. There's a big difference. What is revelation? Revelation is the revealing or unveiling of divine truth. The Roman officer had revelation of who Jesus was. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. The officer wasn't even a believer. And yet most Christians only know enough scripture to repeat what they've heard and live off of. Listen, secondhand revelation. God wants you to experience him for yourself. I want to challenge you today. Stop waiting on Sunday to come listen to a pastor who's been praying, trying to hear from the Holy Spirit all week long to speak to a group this big when God wants to speak to you himself. We are not like the Israelites where Moses has to go up on the mountain and hear from God and come back down and give you the commandments. You can go to the mountain yourself. Yet we settle like the Israelites circling the same thing for years. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Somebody say, say the word. Now, we've all repeated what someone else has said before, and it's okay to repeat what mama said. I'm not saying you can be Bobby Boucher and say mama said. That's, a, that's okay. However, it's not okay to repeat what God did not say. It's another thing to misinterpret, mismanage, and misuse what God said. And I believe there are some things that we say that God said that God is literally in heaven on his throne saying, I did not say that. We may be even repeating or reposting something you heard a well-meaning Christian influencer say on social media. You may have heard something and interpreted it in a way that's inconsistent with God's intention. I'm telling you this because there are things that are regularly spoken and consistently communicated that sound good, but they are not God. I want to ask you, do your words align with God's word? Are you saying what God says? Today, we eavesdrop on a conversation that Jesus was having with this officer. The centurion is pleading with Jesus that this, his young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in pain. And we notice in the story that the servant doesn't get healed immediately. I thought that was interesting. This whole exchange, this Roman officer runs. He's pleading. He's begging, Jesus, please heal my servant. This whole, this is big ordeal because it had to be big enough for it to be a big deal for it to be written in scripture. And this, the servant, excuse me, doesn't get healed immediately. But Jesus gives him something else first. What does he give him? Let's read it in verse 6. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in terrible pain. Jesus said, somebody say, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The first thing Jesus gives him is not a healing. He gives him a word. He gives him a promise. Please write this down. God's word comes before God's promises. God's word comes before God's promises. God's word goes before what he said. Every move of God is preceded by the word of God. And God said, I said it earlier, let there be light. And then there was light. Every move of God is preceded by the word of God. Pastor Will, I need some Bible for that. We, we sang it earlier. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the, come on, my Bible scholars. In the beginning was the word and the word was with and the word was. The word was in the beginning. And then God is so good that the word itself literally incarnate became flesh and dwelt among us. 
The word comes before the promise. Let me say it this way. The word of God goes before the works of God. That is how important your Bible is. It describes it as living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The, the Bible works. It is a real thing. The word about peace comes before peace. The word about provision comes before the provision. The word about your healing comes before the healing. The word about blessing comes before the blessing. The word about victory comes before the battle. We have to realize this. The Roman officer received a word. Hebrews, I mean, Matthew chapter 8, excuse me, verse 7 says, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are. My servant will be healed. Next, if you have the faith to say it, believe in faith to see it. If you have the faith to say it, believe in faith to see it. Mark 11, verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What you say reveals the way you see. Some of us are communicating the wrong thing that we see. You need to say the word. Why? Because your words are working. Your words are working. Matthew chapter six, verse six, it says, when you pray, go into the go into a room alone, close the door, pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and will reward you when you pray. Don't talk on. Don't talk on and on as people who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask. First John chapter five. This is the confidence. This is the faith we have in approaching God that if we ask anything, somebody say anything according to his will that's the part we miss we assume our wants are God's will ask anything according to his will and he hears us it doesn't say he'll do it he says he hears you ask anything in alignment with his will and he hears you prayers declaring our faith it's not and it's not prayer when you close your eyes it's prayer when you open your mouth that's when it becomes prayer it takes faith to write things down. It takes faith to believe what you read in the Bible. And it takes even more faith to say those things out loud. I've told some of you before, but I quoted that verse earlier in Romans. Lindsay used to say it to me all the time. And she would say it this way, speak things that aren't as though they were. She would say it all the time. She was talking like God. She understood. She was speaking life into me before we were even married. She wanted me to understand the power of my words. If I have faith to say it, I believe in faith, I will see it. I speak in faith. I align my word and my faith with God's word. I say things over myself all the time. I don't know about you, but I, I look in the mirror sometimes and I just stare at myself and I say, you are called by God. I'll tell you something else I learned very early on that I don't live off the accolades of people. I live off the mandate of the call. I remind myself of this. I say things like I have nothing to prove and only one to please. Paul said it this way, if I was trying to be a pleaser of people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I, I cannot please people. I look myself in the mirror all the time and I declare God's words over me. Why? Because I want my life to be in alignment with his word. Somebody say, say the word. I want to ask you, what words have you spoken this year? I know we're in the middle of the year. We're a little bit past it, but what, what words have you spoken this year? Have you taken inventory of the words you have said? 
And some of you, you know, you're kind of quiet. You don't really say a lot. Have you taken inventory of the words you typed? The comments. Have you taken inventory of the words you've come into agreement with? You know, that thing you double tapped on Instagram, that like you made on Facebook, that video you watched where somebody was talking evil and reckless and you came into agreement with the words they were saying. Have you taken inventory of them? Because Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, I promise you on the day of judgment, everyone will have to account for every careless word they have spoken. I don't know about you, but for somebody that talks for a living, that, that makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Now more than ever, I want to be more careful with my words. Because can we be honest? Some of us have said things like this. I hate this job. I hate this house. I hate my kids. I hate, I hate my spouse. I, I can't stand them. They get on my nerves. They, they never do anything right. They're always complaining, always nagging. Here, here's one. I'll never love anyone else. The power of your words. I'm stupid. I'm not smart. I'm just, I'm so stupid. I keep doing the same thing over and over. Stop saying, stop saying you're just like the people in your family. Speak the opposite. Speak over yourself that you have, you're a man or woman of character, that you have big faith, that you have big dreams, that you're going to be everything that God has called you to be, that you're going to live a life of purity, that you will overcome the struggles in this life. I realized the power of my words when I started to say what God says and aligning my words and my prayers with his will. See, God did not think the world into existence. He did not feel the world into existence. He spoke the world into existence. And God is so good when it came to us, his most prized possession. He didn't speak you into existence. He reached into the thing that he created. He picked up dirt, formed it, breathed into it, made us, and then spoke. We got a double dose. He put his hands on us and he spoke into us. And he breathed into us. He, he wants you to know the importance and the power of your words. Psalm 33, 9. As soon as he spoke the world, the world was created. As soon as he spoke, the world was created. At his command, the earth was formed. If you don't understand that, the, that one word from God can change your life, one word in a moment. I believe right now the Holy Spirit's already spoke to some of you. I believe it happened during worship. And one word from God changes everything. You didn't need to listen to me for 30, 40 minutes. You needed to hear from the Holy Spirit. One word from God will change your life. I don't wait on Sunday morning for a word from God. I wake up on Monday morning thinking, God, what are you going to say to me today? And sometimes, like we talked about last week, it's a question. Are you submitted? No, not today, Lord. I'm not. <laughs> sometimes it's slow down. Sometimes it's be careful. Sometimes it's, don't say that. <laughs> Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. Say the word. Because God's promise is on the other side of what he says. What words are you saying? What is on the other side of your words? Because I believe, write this down, your miracle is in your mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. Most of the miracles we read about were preceded by something someone else said. 
Most miracles, most blessings in the Bible are voice activated. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Most of God's blessings are voice activated, yet we still choose to be silent. What would happen, and I'm not talking about being arrogant or prideful or malicious, but what would happen if Christians really started declaring the truth in God's word over people that don't believe what we believe? Abraham spoke in faith. Noah spoke in faith. David spoke in faith. Moses spoke in faith. Caleb spoke in faith. What would be said if people of Dothan spoke in faith? Your miracles in your mouth. He can do for you. He can do for you too what he wants you to become. He can do it. Because a word from God is just as sure as a move of God. It's just as sure. A word from God is just as good as a fulfillment from God because if God said it, he has to do it. Let me let you in on a little secret. God is limited to his word. Hold up, Pastor. What do you mean God is limited to his word? That means anything he says, he has to do it. He is not a man that he should lie. So that means anything he says, it has to become a reality. He's, he, he speaks, when he speaks, it becomes law. When God speaks, it is so important that the first sentence in the Bible, creation starts with God said. And then later, those same words are followed up with the first attack, a question of doubt. And we want you to know that God didn't just speak once. God is still speaking. He's speaking right now. And God wants to speak to you. In fact, I believe God is speaking to you. My question is, are you listening? Because another thing I want you to know is you need to stop saying, stop saying God isn't talking when your Bible is closed. He's always been speaking. Are you listening? Lastly, if God says so, it will be so. If God says so, it will be so. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Joshua 21 45, not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Proverbs 30 verse 5, everything God says is true. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. This is what the Roman officer said. I know this because I am under authority. In other words, this is why when we say amen, it is important. It means so be it. Let it be so. I agree. I have some other things that I want to share with you, but <clears throat> when I say his name, I'm actually declaring his word. So when he said, when, when the Roman officer said, uh, heal my servant, just say the word. You don't have to come into my house. You don't even have to show up physically. You don't have to touch him. You don't have to do anything. Just say the word. I, I, I've heard you. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. I've heard the stories. I've heard every good thing. I've seen you open, open blind eyes and open deaf ears. Just say the word and he'll be healed. This Roman officer came into alignment with something that he realized was true for his life because he saw it happen in others. When I say his name, I'm declaring his word. John 14, verse 13. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Somebody just say, say the word. Just say the word. 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. And I intentionally left off verse 13. I'm going to share it with you in Matthew chapter 8. But when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Jesus didn't need to repeat himself to the Roman officer. It says he turned to those following him. He didn't turn back to the officer. So the officer is in front of him. He's telling him, I will come and heal him. The officer responds back, just say the word. Jesus is looking, turns to those following him and says, I haven't seen faith like this. I, I, I haven't seen faith like this. Jesus spoke one time. What would happen if we had the kind of faith where God only needed to speak one time? Or one time is enough. Y'all know us. We need constant confirmation. Some of y'all old school, y'all know, you lay a fleece before the Lord. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, it's just it's, it's this whole thing like, God, if this is really you, if you really said that, then let there be a green mark in the sky that nobody else can see, but let me see it. Like, we, we want to qualify God's word. This Roman officer said just one time is enough. And then verse 13, this is the best part. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Go back home because you believed it has happened past tense it was finished when he said I will come and heal him it was already prophetic in his declaration oh I'm coming I I'm, I'm gonna be there this officer no concept of faith literally just realized just say the word and while Jesus was there in the moment he said my word is already went and my word goes ahead of me it's already there go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed the same hour that's the power of God's word that's the authority of God's word a word from God is a promise kept for those of you who have wayward children, a word from God is a promise kept. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart. It, it doesn't mean, it's not just like, oh, well, I thought I did everything I knew I was supposed to, and it says they will not depart. It's not just about departing, and it doesn't even really talk about the fact that they may come back. They may go wayward for a little bit, but they will come back. A word from God is a fulfillment from God. If he said it about your child, I promise you he will fulfill it. Well, what if I don't see it in my life? You have, no, you have no idea how God speaks to people. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He can say things in a moment to a person that you've been praying for. And it, it just, you may never get to experience the promise. But his word works. God, if you say so, it will be so. In the meantime, we need to believe what God said the first time. Just say the word. I want to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to pray for us in a moment before I give people an opportunity to be invited in relationship with Jesus. I was telling people before service, uh, this really isn't my favorite thing. It's just not. This really isn't. I, I feel like I'm better one-on-one -on -one and, you know, it's just having a moment of transparency. Because the hard part about being up here, one, well, first thing I want to tell you, I'm no different down there than I am up here. This is just an elevated position of what I would do at the bottom. But the conversations I have with people, they seem to be more impactful one-on-one -on -one because the hard part about this is I'm like, God, give me a word for everybody. You know, everybody. That when people leave, it was for everybody. And 
it's just hard. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, my word is so good that regardless of how you deliver it, I use it to speak to them in their, in their point of need. Doesn't matter how you say it, just say what I said, I'll handle the rest. Just say the word. I just, I, I wanna be, I, I just wanna be a pastor that teaches the word. That's all I wanna do with my life. And I say this on behalf of my pastors. They read the word. They live the word. This is a good house. And we, again, last week you might say, I thought this was part two. It was part two. We talked about being in submission and alignment, that being under authority and in authority is the best place and the blessed place. But being in alignment with God's word is also good. And the reason I submit to my leaders the way I do is because their life is in alignment with the scriptures that I read. So I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you that you still speak. I thank you that you speak to us right now. I thank you that you listen to us when we pray. I thank you that you're listening to us right now on behalf of our people. And I believe you're still speaking through your word, through the scriptures. You're still speaking through prayer. You're still speaking through prophecy. You're still speaking through songs of worship. You are still speaking. And I thank you for it with heads still bowed and eyes closed. If you're here, whether you're in the room or watching online and you want to give your life to this Jesus, the, the incarnate word, the word that was in the beginning but then became flesh and dwelt among us, I simply want to ask you, do you believe in the author of the word, the one who has all authority? If you're here and you say, Pastor Will, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Nobody's looking around. We're going to pray together in a moment, but you want to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to slide your hand up. Anybody in the room, you want to give your life to Jesus. Got a hand over here. Anybody else? Hand in the back. Two hands in the back. Anybody else? Awesome. I love it. Anybody else? I quoted the verse in Romans earlier that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died, you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. I want us all to pray together because I say it often, but I feel like it always warrants repeating. That when you get saved, you don't just get a father, you get a family. And I want us to pray together. I want us to say this together. Come on, say, Father, forgive me. I confess of my sins. I acknowledge I need you. Make me new today, right now. God, I trust you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Now I choose you. I make you Lord of my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give God some praise to the people that made that decision? Come on, we can do better than that. It says the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. And let's turn that praise into worship right now.
God for praise. Oh, Lord, our God. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that made that decision, again, we, we mention this every single week, but it's because we want to partner with you. If you made that decision, we want you to text D1 text to 84576. Let us know so that we can congratulate you on this new decision and help you walk this thing out. If you don't have a copy of God's word, we want to make it available to you. Maybe even right now you're like, well, I'm already saved, but I want to tell, tell my story. Tell us your story or maybe take your next steps in, in faithful obedience through baptism or even that you're interested in grow track. Again, this is a process. This is a walk and we want to walk this thing out with you. So do that right now for my first time guests or maybe you've been coming for a while and we haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet. Our leadership team is getting ready to be dismissed uh, before I pray the blessing. But I ask that you hold on to that connect card as well and take it in guest reception. We would love to meet you. Isn't God good? Come on, isn't God good? I want to pray a blessing over you. And uh, again, this is, we love this house. But as I pray this prayer, I want you to just put your hands out like you're about to receive every single week. And this prayer comes straight from God's word. Let's, let me say it over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. And may the Lord write his name on your heart and declare you are his child and that nothing can separate you from his love. I bless you today to be a blessing that you may love God and love people the way that he loves us. May, we, may he bless you today, this week, and the days to come with good gifts. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You guys are dismissed.